Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. Another week, another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker in studio, joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my amazing co-host, Kyle Vardy. Kyle, how are you doing today? Tired again. You can replay my clip from weeks on end, but uh, I'm happy to talk sports. Well, last week you didn't have that clip. You actually gave a better answer last week. Yeah, I know. It's just, yeah, you know, we, we got to have the one where it's like when I'm when I'm tired and not, you know, 100% right now, then just you got to roll the clip. It's just okay. what you gotta do. I will remember that for the next time I ask you a question and you look super tired. Fair enough. Irfan could not join us. Unfortunately, scheduling issues uh, cost him this week, but don't worry. We have a replacement. Well, he was actually just coming on anyway, but we have a replacement. Our NFL and CFL analyst, Wade Zanketa, has joined us. Wade, how are you doing today, my man? Good. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Uh, good way to start off a weekend. Well, I mean, we have to have you on this weekend, too. It's Super Bowl weekend, man. What better day to have the NFL analyst on than Super Bowl weekend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the Mecca. It's finally here after, I mean, for the strangest season. Uh, it's definitely a sigh of relief that they made it this far so hoping absolutely. to close it out without some tests and then move on to cfl news absolutely there's a lot of that too and we will have to have you back on to talk about all of that but let's get right into our kickoff segment sponsored by canada kicking academy calling all kickers and punters in the southern ontario region if you are looking for a year-round professional development with elite competition you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrara brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. You can visit their website at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at canadakickingacademy. And boys, let's jump right in to the Super Bowl. And this Super Bowl has been dubbed the Goat versus Baby Goat Bowl. It's going to be all the talk on Brady and Mahomes, and we know that, and that's that's the easy conversation to have. So let's get that one out of the way. How big of a game is this for Patrick Mahomes? Wade, we'll start with you. Uh, I think it's huge because it's the chance to knock off. I mean, if you want to start the baby goat conversation, I mean, yes, it looks like he's heading that way, but a lot of things could happen. Like Dan Marino went to a Super Bowl pretty early in his career and then never was able to get back. So I think for this one, it kind of really kicks off the baby goat conversation. Because if you're going to go MVP, Super Bowl, another Super Bowl, then you're kind of trending that way. But if you lose this game, um, like Russell Wilson went Super Bowl in his second year, Super Bowl in his third year, and that was the year that Malcolm Butler caught the interception. So if you want to trend the same as Russell Wilson, it's not going to be a baby goat debate. Um, but I think it's definitely possible if he wins this that he could slide into – that next generation category. Absolutely. Kyle, your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, we, we talked about this before, and um, I do think this is actually a big point in, in Mahomes' career, um, especially it might be not necessarily a passing the torch type thing, but it really is 
you know, putting another milestone in his legacy, right? Everybody talks about Mahomes being the greatest quarterback right now, you know, and that kind of stuff. Is he going to be the greatest of all time is the real question, right? And I think that kind of starts right now, right? If you can, maybe it's, it's not Brady in his prime, but it's still Tom Brady, right? If you can beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl and truly show who you are as a quarterback, I think that means a lot for, for you going forward, especially if they come down to, well, you know, he never beat Brady or he never did this or whatever it may be. He would have that notch in his belt that he can really hang. So, And he already has faced Brady in the playoffs before and lost. So this is, this is huge for Mahomes to have to play him in the Super Bowl with the probably the best receiving core that Brady has ever had. Like, let's, let's not mince words. Brady has played with a lot of crap in New England when it comes to receivers. Yes, he had Randy Moss. Yes, he had Gronkowski. But outside of those two big names, you got guys who were catching some short passes across the middle, Edelman, Welker. They're not big deep threats. They're not going to necessarily break a game open. You got guys on this Tampa Bay team like Evans, right, like Gronk, who have the ability to really open up a game. Uh, Brown as well when he's playing – they have the ability to open up a game like no one Brady has really had before. So if Mahomes can go in and actually take out Brady and the Bucks this weekend and the Chiefs go back to back, he puts himself on the right track, as Wade said, towards the greatest of all time conversation. Now, he's in what, year four, three? Mm-hmm. Three is a starter. Right? Like – we're not putting him there. Let's let's make it very, very clear. I don't think any of us have him in that conversation at all right now. He might be the most talented quarterback to ever play the game just because of all the different things that he can do and all the different weird arm angles that he can throw from. But that means nothing when it comes to greatest of all time conversations just because it's it's two different things. But he's on the right track, right, Wade? Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely trending that way. I mean, you don't throw 50 touchdowns, have an MVP followed up with the Super Bowl and not be in that conversation, right? Like, uh, I think the main thing for him, though, is going to be now that he's signed this massive contract, the players around him are going to start to dwindle. And if they win, it's going to start to dwindle even quicker because guys will want to be paid more uh, being back-to-back champions. Like Tyreek Hill, they get him out of bargain because he has a lot of off-the-field issues. Travis Kelsey is up for contract extension soon. That is not going to be cheap. Like if George Kittle's setting the market, Mark Andrews is going to get paid. Darren Waller is going to get paid. Travis Kelsey is going to leap them heads and shoulders uh, and go above them. So um, once you see that, then it's going to be Eric Fisher. And then what are you going to start to do with your defensive pieces like Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones? Um, There's just so many other pieces that they've, been afforded the luxury of having due to his rookie contract um, that you're going to see start to disappear. So it's going to be very dependent on their draft capital uh, and who they can kind of slot in, kind of hide and fill around empty voids. Yeah. And you, you talk about that draft capital. I mean, they've done pretty good the last couple of years, but when you start losing big pieces, it's a lot harder to fill a role for a big piece. Whereas like getting Clyde Edwards, a layer in the, end of the first round or beginning of the second. I can't remember which one he was. End of first. End but, of second yeah. first. Yeah. But like okay. even guys like uh, Legereus Sneed, they're starting their top corner, as a matter of fact, he was a fourth round draft pick this year. Yeah. So he's making next to no cash and he's only there for three years on that deal. Once that deal hits, he's going to demand top end dollar. Like yeah. you don't 
play that well rookie year and look to be trending into the conversation of top cover corners and not want to get your money. So for sure, like, there's going to be a ton of guys that have to filter through the salary cap and they're going to have to make tough decisions. For sure. And Kyle, you can jump in on this as well, but like they are primed right now for this year and next year, probably to really go competitive after that, it becomes murkier, right? Oh, hundred percent. And that's just like, honestly, it's just how the NFL works. It's, it's the NFL is really designed that, you know, once you, you have a, a small window, you take advantage of that window. If not, well, we'll see what you can do with your team and see how you can restock. As Wade said, it, it all comes down to their draft picks. Right. And then, you know, as, as a Pats fan, it's one of those, we don't draft well in the first or second round. Um, we, you draft we find, in the first round? Hold on, hold yeah, on. Yeah, we, we, we find steals in the undrafted area in like <laughs> sixth or seventh round, but we can't draft. So it's like, it's one of those, you, you kind of have to balance it. And, you know, you look at Clyde pick last year, he was doing well, then got hurt, come back. Now he's looking like he can be that guy again. Yeah. Do they believe he's going to be the number one back? I'm still interested in that because I think Daryl Williams actually kind of took, took a step up last this year when he was out and kind of showed who truly, truly can be with a, if he gets the leading gig. Yeah. So that would be interesting to me. I think Clyde might end up being that passing back for them, which could be a little, it could be up his alley. Uh, we'll see what goes on with that though. Um, but yeah, honestly, when it it's all comes down to Tyreek and Kelsey, that's the biggest thing, you know, is Ty, if Tyreek ends up leaving, does McCole Hardman fill that spot that Tyreek does? That's interesting to me. I, th- I think the biggest piece they need to keep is Kelsey, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's it's purely because it gives – it's a safety blanket for Mahomes, right? Mahomes can chuck it all he wants, but if he doesn't have Kelsey six yards away, you know, six yards away from him just waiting six for the pass. Six to eight yards every, every play, six to eight yards. And if, if he doesn't have Kelsey waiting for him there, you know, and then does he scramble more? There's a potential for him getting injured because God knows he can't run without blowing out his knee or doing something or get a conky, whatever. Or his but, ankle. Yeah. You know, it, it, you can play, you know, what was it? What is it? The doctor thing? That's oh, the game. Oh, oh operation. operation. That's it. Operation. You could you can pick and choose whatever <laughs> you want there, and Mahomes probably has an injury there. His so. wishbone. Yeah. So, like to me, to me, it's this is their time, and it's honestly, I think he. This is probably the best team he's going to face in the Super Bowl that they really said he has. Um, in all two of them, yeah. Yeah, but, but <laughs> honestly, like I think I think this is going to be the best competition that he has. Oh, yeah. uh, if they make it again next year, who knows comes out of that that. NFC part, right? You know, the Rams obviously just got a lot better with that trade. Yep. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, this is their time for sure. And you mentioned that, like, this year is going to be the best year. And let's actually get into the Super Bowl a little bit more. And this Buccaneers team has been very, very good defensively since their game against KC. Let's Like, they've been very, very good, especially the rush defense. Um, how big of a factor do you think the rush defense is going to play in this one, Kyle? To be honest, it's it's everything. If if you can get to Mahomes or Brady, they can't be the quarterback that they truly are. That's the biggest thing. Mahomes has a better chance to do stuff outside of the pocket, though. Mahomes has a better chance to get outside the pocket. That's the biggest thing. But the biggest the biggest thing for Tampa right, is going to come down to Shaq Barrett and JPP. Can you get your containment on the edge? and not push too far up the field that Mahomes can then sneak up where you were. Right? That's the, that's the biggest thing. If you can contain Mahomes and get pressure on him, push it back, whether it be a bull rush or whatever it may be, if you can 
if you can get Mahomes and collapse that pocket, that's the best chance for Tampa because Tampa's corners and their secondary, you know, hopefully they have Winfield Jr. back because that's a he said he was he's player. good to go. He said he was okay. fine. So, but like their corners are, in my opinion, eh. they're fine. They're not like, great. They're, yeah, they're not they're they're not game changers by any <laughs> means, right? That that's in my opinion. So it's one of those if you can give them more time, you know, or sorry, less time um, of these wide receivers like Tyreek and Kelsey and all that kind of stuff going against them. It makes their lives a lot easier and it makes Mahomes' life a lot, you know, harder. And obviously we know what happens when Brady gets pressure against him. He just like folds up into a pocket and goes down immediately. So I love the um, acting. That was great. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I gotta do it for the video, right? You know, it. Um, but it's just one of those like under pressure, a quarterback cannot be his true self. Yeah. So the the pressure is huge in this game. Yeah. Wade, your thoughts on that? Uh yeah, I I think the once again, like I wrote this week, I'm going to agree with Kyle. JPP and Shaq Barrett are the absolute like must perform players for this game. Like you're going against backup offensive tackles, you have to be able to just have a presence around the home. Make him make him feel your presence, even if it's a hand on his chest after he throws. You have to make him feel you are there. Um, but honestly, I think Vitavea and Nadam Kasu are going to be huge in this game um, because if you're going to have the edge pass rush, the first thing Mahomes going to look to do is step up into the pocket and then out. He's going to try and use the gap or the what would be the B gap between your tackle and guard to try and find a way out into the lane uh, to either threaten the line of scrimmage rushing or to find more time to throw. Um, and if those two guys in the middle that I had mentioned are going to be pushing the pocket back. Uh, they're going to make him scramble out and around the tackles, which case you can get either get more holding calls uh, or even more chances for a sack if you can uh, disengage from the blockers quickly. So um, those guys, I think, are going to be huge. Uh, but I think the biggest one for the Chiefs is definitely Chris Jones uh, in his pass rush. Uh, obviously, Alex Jensen is one of the top centers in the league. Um, he has been for quite some time, and that's why he's paid so well. Um Whenever they need to find a way to get Jensen's double team away from Chris Jones, you need to add an extra pressure away from Jones. So he's one-on-one on the right guard, because at the left guard, you have Ali Marpet um, and he's been fantastic his whole career. Uh, so really it's all about isolating the pressures away to the left side of the line and then getting Chris Jones one-on-one on the right guard, um, maybe confusing him with Tristan Wirfs on the right tackle rookie, um, throwing some unique looks at him. But uh, if you get pressure up the middle on Tom Brady, like Kyle said, he kind of folds up. So uh, Chris Jones' presence is going to be huge. Um, but there are ways to counter that. Uh, you can slide protections towards him. Uh, make sure Jensen's always headed towards him off the line. Have a running back chip him on his way through if he's going out into a pass route. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the pass rush is definitely going to determine this game. That's uh, kind of the reason why I'm liking the Bucks this week. Um, so, yeah, I guess we could kind of end on that. That was probably the most in-depth breakdown of a game plan that we've ever had on this show. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, I want to talk about other key players because we've talked the defensive lines now, and I think those guys are going to be huge. Are there any other key players on either of the two teams that really stand out? Like, to me, Tyron Matthew is going to have to have a big game for the Chiefs. 
I know that's that's an easy one because he has been that guy for the Chiefs the last couple of years, but he's going to have to have a big game to help the corners make sure everything is, stays in front of him. And if he can do that, I think the Chiefs are in a decent spot defensively at that point. But who else stands out to you guys, offensively or defensively? Uh, Kyle, you can go ahead and start, man. Well, first first off, I don't know if Matthew's going to be there. I think Matthew's going to be covering Gronk, to be honest. Um, I don't know if Ma- I don't know if Matthew's going to be the deep guy. I think no, that, they usually put Sorensen down on tight ends. Yeah, I was going to say Sorensen. Yeah, but I, don't Dirty Dan. Sor- I, I don't know if Sorensen's <laughs> going to be able to do that, though. That's the biggest thing. I don't think he will, but... <laughs> like, like, like Sorensen, yeah, sorry, he guarded, what, Knox, Dawson Knox last week? Yeah, that sucks. Sorry. Like, Dawson Knox is drop central. So, um, like, to me, like, like Gronk, is he who he was before? No. But can he, can he go out and have run a 25-yard like route and give no, he can't run 15, 15. He can go, he can't run. Oh, no, he, he can do 25 just once a game. It's pretty much what it is. But, um, <laughs> after that run, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, honestly, biggest key, I guess, defensively, I, it, I think to be honest, it comes down to, I guess, Snead on the outside potentially, but to me, it, it's Chris Jones in the middle. It, it's gotta be, okay. it's it all comes down to pressure for, for the Kansas city, I think. And for Tampa, I think it comes down to the linebackers. I think it comes down to Levante David and Devin White. What do what are they going to be matched up on Kelsey? Is it going to be a, is it going to be a safety dropping down? Is it going to be Winfield dropping down? I don't know. I don't know what they what they're actually going to do. But I think it's going to be key because if especially if the linebackers can either you know blanket cover Kelsey, do zone whatever, and make sure he doesn't get those easy catches. And then they're also they're also great when it comes to either blitzing or r- rushing the uh, sorry to protecting the run is what I'm trying to say. So, right. um, so to me, the the linebacking core for Tampa is key. Okay, Wade, you're your yeah, key players. <laughs> I was gonna say Devin White uh, outright. <laughs> uh, he's played two playoff games, twenty six tackles, two fumble recoveries, a pick. Um, he's playing out of his mind. He's absolutely fast enough to run with Travis Kelsey. Um, he's strong enough in the run game that he can fill a gap, defend off a, or fend off an offensive lineman, make plays. Um, I honestly, am, I'll tell you guys, I'm putting down money on him and Shaq Barrett for Super Bowl MVP. Um, it's like plus four thousand odds for Devin White. Not um, bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I I am always impressed with him. I was impressed with him coming out of college too. Like just the pure speed he shows. Um, and you could see it against the Saints. Like, they try to run their outside zone. Alan Kamara, who's electric, and Devin White chases him down looking like he's just going 80%. Um, I think he's going to be huge. Uh, Antoine Winfield's another guy on the Bucks. Uh, I'm going to name a couple more here. Uh, I think AB is actually going to be a huge difference maker. Um, Kyle mentioned LeJarrius Sneed. Uh, he's going to be locked up on Mike Evans. Uh, that's going to leave Chris Godwin out on the other side. And then you're going to have Antonio Brown and Scotty Miller um, carving up the middle. And the fastest player in the league. Yeah, one like two of the fastest players in the league. Antonio Brown's no slouch either for speed. Oh, I'm, I'm just making the joke that Scotty Miller thinks he's the, <laughs> fa- the fastest player in the league. Hey, if you're fast, you got to think you're the fastest. <laughs> if you asked Andre DeGrasse, he would say he's faster than Usain Bolt too. That's just the mentality you got to have. I don't know. Um, he's Canadian though. I don't know if he would say that. <laughs> Um, but no, it's going to leave AB matched up on their third corner. Uh, it's going to leave him matched up on either Tyron Matthew or Dan Sorensen, whoever they move over. Uh, 
And Antonio Brown against a third corner is a dream for any offensive coordinator to have. Uh, Byron Leftwich can just get him moving around, uh, kind of identify coverages with him, and then attack a weak spot uh, with him over the middle or out into soft zones on the side. I think it's going to be huge for them. Um, obviously, Scotty Miller can do the same thing, but he's he's not AB. Let's be realistic here. Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers in the league when he plays. Um, despite taking the time off, I will still stand by that. When, um, when he's on his game, yeah, hundred percent. When yeah. he's not, when he's not mentally there, he's not. But no, and he's mentally there right now. This is yeah. all he's ever wanted. Um, for the Bucks, though, or sorry, for the Chiefs, uh, I'm gonna say Mike Remmers. It's gonna be the left, the guy who's sliding over to left tackle when he was last. You're in loving the Super- this guy right now, <laughs> Mike Remmers. Yeah. No, I I really don't like him. I. <laughs> Last time he was in the Super Bowl, I think I wrote about it this week. Vaughn uh, yes, Miller was the guy that was going against him the entire game. Vaughn Miller ended up as Super Bowl MVP. Um, Mike Remmers needs to have the game of his life. Otherwise, it's going to be a long day for Mahomes, and Andy Reid's going to get very frustrated with the lack of time available to call deep shots. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that one, and it, it will be an interesting uh, matchup there. The guy that I think is that could also be huge on the offense for the Chiefs is McCole Hardman. And to see, because it's going to be interesting how they line up with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Because obviously those are the two big guys. You know those are the two big guys. But if McCole Hardman can give Mahomes just that extra extra guy to get a first down every, every drive or so, right? That opens up so much for Hill. And let's not, let's not forget McCole Hardman's also on the return team. Right? Yeah, so I was going to say the have two huge impacts on the game. Yes, if you can catch the ball. <laughs> popcorn, popcorn, another popcorn, popcorn, popcorn. The, uh, the Bucks gave up a couple of long returns to the Saints, too, uh, in the divisional round. So I'm and sure the, the Packers don't have a return game. So that's there. No. Like, you just throw that <laughs> return game out of the out of the books. So, I mean, McCole Hartman could make a difference in the return game, like you said. I don't know why. I feel like there's going to be a return for a touchdown in this game. I don't know which way it's going, but I just have, you know, when you just have like a feeling, I have a feeling there will be a return for a touchdown, whether it's a kickoff return or a punt return. There will be a return for a touchdown in this game. I don't know what the odds are on that. But <laughs> Kyle, you, you can look that up while we're on break. But <laughs> odds, of, well, odds of a return? Yes, odds of a return touchdown. I'll look it up. But in the meantime, I would say if you are going to do a bet, Take Tyreek Hill over four and a half rushing yards. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> All it takes is one gadget play. But you got to be careful. Their gadget plays. You got to be careful, though, because if they do the jet sweep and they flip it forward, it's a pass. Yeah. So it has to be – or a bubble screen would count, too, depending on whether it throws. Well, they like, they like the backwards one just in case, right? <laughs> I always like, want to throw yeah. it forwards. <laughs> four, four and a half yards for a run? No, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's that's an interesting one. What's the value on that one though? Uh, 1.86 in decimal point, so you know, whatever that 1. is, 1. 0.86 times we'll, whatever you bet, whatever you put down. Yeah. Well, not much, but money's to, money. be, to be honest, that's the best odds you're gonna get. You're not gonna get anything better than that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, money's money, so you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta make the bets. All right, it's time we have to pick Wade. We're gonna start with you. What is your Super Bowl prediction, my friend? Tampa wins 27 to 24. 
27-24. Over-under set at 55 and a half right now, Kyle, or is it 56 and a half? It was 56. Okay, 56. So you're saying it's going to go under the 56 as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kyle? Uh, Tampa 31-24, just because I have a alternative over a 53 on the betting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what? All right. Uh, 55 <laughs> covers by two points. We're chilling. <laughs> I like it. Oh, it's just so random. Like, don't want to cover both overs, or nah, and Matt has the over. I really don't care if he covers. Ah, okay. Well, then that makes sense. Um, I think it is going to go over because I think it's going to be like a 35-32 or 35-31 game, and which would be push. But um, I think I'm going to go Tampa as well, just because of the home field advantage. And I talked about it on between the uprights this week, and I said. Tampa has a huge advantage, even though people aren't going to want to say that it's an advantage. They have an advantage. Mm-hmm. The sight lines that they know the field so much better. They know where they are on the field, no matter where they are on the field. Right. T- Kansas City doesn't have that advantage. Right. So it, it, it's a huge impact on the game that is going to be mentioned quickly that they're the first team to ever ho- be at home in a Super Bowl, even though they're the away team. It's going to be mentioned, but it's going to be thrown out very quick, too. And that's 100%. something that I think. I know you mentioned it in your column, Wade, and that's mm-hmm. – it's huge. It really is huge. Well, especially if they're getting the inclement weather that the forecast was calling for, yeah, a couple days ago, I think. Um, Tampa played on that field this year in the nice sunshine and dry weather. If all of a sudden you start getting rain and sloppy field conditions, Tampa knows how to play the field in sloppy conditions too. Like, I didn't want to write this in the article, but – when I was at U of T, we had one of the worst fields in Ontario, in Canada even. It yep. is so it is so slick, and you would see it even when the CFL Combine shows up. Um, the guys that have played a ton on our field know how to run on it. So when you're watching guys do the three cone uh, and L drill, like the one guy you'll touch, and then they'll touch and they'll slip most times. And then they'll run the L and sometimes slip on the L. Like, and then you watch the U of T guys, and it's easy – work for them so yeah um but I, I equate it to the same thing it's natural it's like a natural grass down there in tampa i think um and the way it cuts will always be different in the weather um and having that experience playing there i know tom brady i don't think they played too many rain games at home this year no um but but tom's tom i'm not worried about him no matter where he goes. no the but rest of the team. but the rest of the team was there for most of last year and the rookies have experienced it in uh, I think they use similar field conditions for their practice field so I'm sure they've practiced in the rain once or twice too well plus Tom's played in New England so he's yeah. used to snow <laughs> and rain and right. whatever it may be oh by the way Nick um, for your thing it's 3.25 odds for a special teams or defensive touchdown okay 3.25 I might hit that That's a that seems like a decent bet for me at the moment yeah um, yeah, no, I just – I think the the home field not being the home team advantage will still play a huge factor for this Buccaneers team. And I think as much as I want Mahomes to win, because, like, I don't want to be a Brady fan. <laughs> You're a Brady fan. Let's I'm not real. a Brady fan. Let's make that <laughs> very clear. I do think this one just just trending towards the Buccaneers. And I think, to be honest, we have two of the best offensive coordinators in the game going head-to-head in this game in Leftwich and BME. It's going to be fun. They're going to they're going to throw some wicked plays into this game. <laughs> we are going to be entertained. Hopefully it's not a dud, but 
the way it's trending will be so much fun. That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit their website at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy for more information. We're going to take a quick break. We will be back to talk a little NHL after this. Hello, everybody. I'm Drew McDowell, and once again, I'm back for a segment that I am now calling Fantasy Beasts and where to find them. Now, I know COVID has been running rampant through many teams in the NHL, and some of you are you know, losing some of your good players. We have Minnesota, Colorado, Buffalo, and New Jersey. And yeah, there's a lot of players that uh, won't be available for a week. So I'm gonna have a few guys that you could pick up to replace them uh, while they quarantine and, and get healthy. First player I have today is Tim Stutzla. I always thought it was Tim Stutzel, which sounds a lot cooler. But it's Tim Stutzla with the unlocked. The third overall pick has had a little bit of a slow start to his season, but he's starting to pick it up. He's got five points in his last three games, including a three-game goal streak. And he's got two power play points to boot. The one downside with Stutzla, doesn't get a lot of shots on that, but hopefully with a little more confidence, he'll, he'll start to bump those numbers up a little bit more. He's only 24% owned on Yahoo and 27% owned on ESPN. So he's available in about three quarters of leagues all across those platforms. So if you need scoring, not a bad option. And if you're playing in a dynasty or a keeper league, should already be on your team. Next up, we have a defenseman in Vince Dunn. And I know Vince Dunn, he was a healthy scratch this year and there's some trade rumors going around, but you know what? Like I said in the last show, getting points off the waiver wire from your D-man is very valuable. He's got three goals and two assists in 10 games this season. And that's pretty good considering how deep the group of defensemen that the St. Louis Blues have. And even if he does get traded, he'll probably go to a team that would utilize him a lot more. And considering that he still is getting this opportunity with the St. Louis Blues, it goes to show you what he'll do when he is on a top pairing or a PP1. He's still on the PP2 for St. Louis, so that's still a benefit if you pick him up. He won't get you as much in terms of hits and blocks, but you can find those with other players that aren't really relied on their point production. Only 8.5% owned on ESPN and 12% on Yahoo, so he's wildly available in many leagues. So if you're hurting for defensemen or your defensemen are on those teams I mentioned earlier, Vince Dunn could be a nice addition um, to, to get you through this, uh, this week. And my last player is a goalie by the name of Chris, and I almost said this wrong, Chris Drieger. Not Drieger, Drieger. If you don't know, Chris Drieger is the backup for the Florida Panthers behind Sergei Bobrovsky. And once again, Sergei Bobrovsky is having his struggles with Florida. He has under a 900 save percentage, and he's got over three goals against average. Drieger, however, has a 937 save percentage and a 195 goals against average, pretty good. Only in three starts and two of those have been wins. He might not get the opportunities as much as Bobrovsky is there, and the Panthers probably aren't gonna bench their $10 million man. But with him struggling and, and Drieger playing well, he might get more starts than you would originally thought he, he would get at the start of the season. And considering there's a lot of back-to-back -back games being played uh, with every team this season, Drieger's gonna get his opportunity. Anyways, that has been Fantasy Beast and where to find them, I'm Drew McDonald. Now back to the show. All right, boys, we are 
back. NFL is obviously the big story this weekend. We covered that. Let's get into some NHL. And this past week, or I guess last weekend after our show, boy, was there an interesting story coming out of New York. And it all revolves around one Anthony D'Angelo, who wants to be called Tony D'Angelo. So that's what we'll call him moving forward. But I know you don't care, Kyle, but I'm still... <laughs> This is a very interesting story, and it stems from an incident after their game Saturday night where he got into it with goaltender Alexander Gorgiev. And apparently there was a miscommunication behind the net on the game-winning goal that cost them the game, and D'Angelo went in on him. Now, there's been rumors that Chris Kreider stepped in and dealt with it. There's also been rumors that Keandre Miller was the one who actually stepped in and dealt with it in a less violent way than the rumors about Kreider. Um, but D'Angelo has a long history of issues surrounding his career, some racially charged and some just him. Moronic. Having, pardon? Moronic statements. Yes, moronic statements is one way to go. I was just going to say his political views in general have caused some, has caused a stir amongst fans and teammates alike. He's now done in New York. The GM has said he will never play another game for the Rangers as long as he has a career. Kyle, what do you make of this entire story? And if you want to delve any deeper into anything that I said, go ahead. But what do you make of this mess? Um, to be honest, it's just a locker room cancer is what it is. And I think that's what the definition of Tony D'Angelo is. Um, he's got talent. He, he's, he's one of those you know offensive-minded defensemen. Uh, you know, can he, can he play in the NHL? 100%. And apparently he's drawing a lot of trade interest right now. So there's lots of teams that are interested in him. Um, you know, is this somebody I'd want on my team? Probably not. Um, you know, talent-wise, sure. But at a certain point, it all comes down to locker room interactions. So, um, you know, with him, anywhere from him saying, you know, COVID is a hoax to um, – you know, his political views, which I'm not going to touch on because I don't want to get political. Um, he's a moron, as simple as that. He's somebody who shouldn't have social media. <laughs> like, the, we, we should have limits on who's allowed social media because there's certain people that just <laughs> should not be on social media. Uh, although it's, you know, sometimes it's funny to make fun of them or how stupid their comments are. That's a whole other story. But um, as, as for hockey, it, it you know, and what it, what it means is, um, talent never outweighs what it means to be on a team. It, it, it comes down to that. And, and if you truly aren't best for that team, you're going to be moved. And the fact that he's drawing a lot of trade interest, uh, I'm interested to see where he actually goes and, and what actually happens yeah. with that. Because it, Is he actually drawing trade interest or are teams just checking? Like It sounds like a lot of teams <laughs> are checking in, but no one actually has legitimate interest. No, they said Darren Dreger said there's a ton of teams that are interested and okay. he should be moved in the next few days. So um so like to me it's it's one of those if a team's willing to take that on what kind of team are they so that's the real question um but i'm interested to see where he goes because this is somebody that um i would not like on my team so no for sure and wade uh you can build on what kyle said but it, him going somewhere is just going to be a mess right yeah i think if you're going to trade for a player with his moronic behavior like kyle said 
Um, you had to be 110% confident in your locker room chemistry and the character in your locker room. Like across sports in general, if you're going to bring in a guy that does that much stupid shit, pardon my language, I don't know. If, go for it. No, go. Trust, oh, okay, trust okay. me, I've said a hell of a lot of words. I have said a hell of a lot But no, if you're going to bring in a guy that does like his kind of stupid shit on and off the ice, like fighting your goalie because you couldn't commute, come on, like grow up um but all the other stuff off the ice you have to know that the guys in your locker room are going to kind of say like "Mm, you can just stay in your corner be quiet like we don't need that here just kind of curb it themselves um so that your coach doesn't really have to so i know if you're a well-disciplined team i think you could take it on um obviously you wouldn't want the pr from taking it on but it's uh if it's something that's going to make your team better and you're confident enough in the guys then you might as well add the piece it's just hard. Like, honestly, as soon as I heard that the Rangers were waving him or not, well, yeah, sorry, putting him on waivers. My first thought was he's done in the NHL. Like no team is going to want to deal with him, especially this season. Like he might come back after, but like this season and next year, no team is going to want to deal with that. So I thought he was going to go to the KHL and maybe go play with Brandon Leipzig on uh, Moscow, make that just an absolutely fun team to be around. PR Central. What? PR Central. Yeah. <laughs> the PR person on that team would need a lot of effort. <laughs> oh, they, they would need a raise immediately. <laughs> <laughs> or they would just need a, a new job. Like, do the players, do those two players have to give a chunk of their salary to the PR person for keeping them <laughs> in the league or what? <laughs> I would assume maybe. there'd be something there. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Every, every time they do something wrong, they have to give 1%. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, that's what my original thought was when when I saw this. I'm like, he's not playing in the NHL this year. And then you hear teams are checking in and seeing. And like, I know, at least in the Canadian markets, Calgary's checked in and Vancouver has checked in. I don't think those two teams are mentally prepared to bring on a guy like Tony D'Angelo. Like, Calgary struggled with Dougie Hamilton, who was just quiet. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to bring in a guy who isn't quiet and wants to talk and has a lot of opinions. And most of them probably will not match up with the rest of the team. You're asking a lot for that team to be able to hold them down. And that's, that's a team that no offense, the leadership group on that team of Goudreau, Monaghan, they don't really strike me as um, super strong willed all the time. They, they, they have some problems there. Right. Kyle. Oh, for sure. I, I'm honestly just laughing right now. Your voice crack right there. I'm not going to lie. but um, <laughs> It was a mid-swallow. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I don't see Calgary being the fit. I think if, if out of those two teams, I think Vancouver would be the better fit, to be honest. I think Vancouver has that. Young has, team, though. Yeah, young, young team, which he fits into. But I think there's also the leadership pieces. I think JT Miller has, one, upped his game, but also upped his leadership aspect, I think. Um, Braden Holpe being there as well, coming from a winning tradition, uh, definitely has that aspect to it. You know, Calgary, do they have anybody like that? I guess you could say Giordano, but he hasn't really had a a winning aspect of it that he could really pitch Tony and be like, hey, follow this in line. Like, you can have your own personal shit, but keep it to yourself, right? And, you know, let's, let's play hockey. Let's focus on this, right? So I, th- I think Holpe can do that. Will he do that? I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't think he ends up in Canada, honestly. No, and honestly, probably not. Like to, to me, um, 
I look at one of the bottom feeders looking at him. He needs to go hide somewhere. I think it's going to be like a Detroit type thing where, you know, they value his, his talent, but they're also out of the media spotlight. So. I think that's, I think that's a fair sentiment. Wade, where do you think he might end up? I was kind of thinking, uh, It'd be funny if he came here after the COVID is a hoax stuff to come into Canada. Like, say he went to like a Montreal or a, a one of the Ontario teams that are currently in a full fledged lockdown. Like, that'd be kind of ironic, but uh... that'd be awful. <laughs> we, he, that that tweet storm that would come right after he landed would just be awful. But uh, no, I think uh, you gotta like Kyle said, you gotta pick a smaller market, maybe like a Minnesota, Nashville, like just one of the smaller market teams to kind of hide him out of the spotlight so um i don't it's tough to say where he would go uh if he's cleared waivers and it's kind of his his choice isn't it no they have to trade him still yeah he, oh he cleared waivers he basically has he was sent down to the ahl team he's, he, oh, okay, he, okay, he's, okay. he's on the taxi squad right now so oh is, he, okay. no he was sent down to hershey they just I think yesterday that he was on taxi squad. Unless that changed. Oh, they must. They might have brought him up because originally he was sent down. Not Hershey. What am I saying? Hershey. Uh, Hartford, the Wolfpack. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he basically has no foot to stand on right now. But hmm. the Rangers don't want him in, in their organization. So no, they'll just like bury 50/50. him. Basically he'll be buried they, until he gets traded. They they said that they're going to eat money on it because nobody is going to take a four point six million dollar contract right now, or four point eight actually. I think is what it is. So mm-hmm. nobody's going to take a four point eight million dollar contract. What, for a no guy Dumba who's... for D'Angelo trade? Come on! <laughs> Don't get me started. I, already, I wanted Leafs to get Dumba, anyway, so we're not. Gonna I know down that road, but Dumba's been on the trade block for what eight years now? It seems. Yeah, and now he's now he's finally he's finally playing elite, and they're like, oh, maybe we should have maybe we kept this guy for a reason over there. It's like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, fuck. <laughs> Kyle's very opinionated about Dumba. That's why I needed to get him in. <laughs> trade Nylander, get Dumba. I'm good. Really? Nylander's been one of the better players this year? <laughs> Couldn't care less. Training for Dumba, straight up. Done. All right. Well, we got off topic there. But uh, speaking of D'Angelo's opinion on COVID, COVID has started to affect the NHL significantly, boys. And now we're seeing teams have to miss entire weeks. Obviously, we saw at the beginning of the year, the Dallas Stars started their year late. But it's the numbers are starting to get up there for games being postponed. And they have to actually move the Arizona-St. Louis games up this weekend from the end of March. So they're moving games around trying to fit this schedule in. Is there going to be a time, there's going to come a time where this is just not going to work anymore. And there's going to be games that are canceled. Uh, no, I, I think that the flexibility is going to be something that they keep an eye on. Like the, obviously having the ability to move, move your games back and forth. But uh, if the rosters continue to get impacted by this, I think the NHLPA and the NHL might kind of say like, look, we might make an exception that uh, you can bring up guys from your AHL roster if you need the players so that we can play these games. Like, yes, it would be lower quality, but you have to deal with it with the high COVID cases going around. So uh, I think it would be definitely something to keep an eye on is AHL teams being able to send guys up and back without penalty um, just to keep games on. Yeah, for sure. And Kyle, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the only problem with that would be the testing aspect, right? Because mm-hmm. not all the AHL teams are in the same area yep. as, as the other ones. So um, what their testing process would be, I don't know about that one. Um, but like you look at like the East Division, 
NHL just rescheduled 27 games um, for that whole division. Between Don't forget the Central, from, too. The Central's a mess right now. Oh, 100%. Like, it's anywhere from, like, uh, February to March, basically, they've essentially reset the entire schedule. So, yeah. um, I think at a certain point, does it come down to, hey, like, we kind of ran out of time. Like, I don't know what we can do right now. Potentially, you know, it, it, do, do they end up shortening the season even more? We'll see. Um, and not for the whole league. I want to make that clear. It would no, be a no. that's affected, obviously. 100%. But but if, you know, if, if three out of four divisions end up screwy, then it could be it could mean for an interesting um, end of the year. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Especially the way the playoffs work, right? If, if a team gets screwed over with their star players being lost to COVID or whatever it may be, and all of a sudden they don't make the playoffs, then it's like, well, do we even consider this a real – it goes back to that. Is it the championship legitimate type thing? Maybe it goes back to that whole thing. So, um, I think they need to get under control. I think they need to, um, potentially put in new restrictions. Well, put, I guess they, they did put in new protocols starting yesterday. Yeah, but I, I don't know. they got to do more, right? It's, it's got to be like one of those. I, I get you want to have a life, but to be honest, if you want to play sports, you kind of have to be a hermit right now, is really what it comes down to. Right. You, you, you can't go out and have a go to a bar or a restaurant, get food, you know, wherever you are, depending on if it's open or not. It's a whole different thing. But, you you know, you can either order food or whatever. Just you got to stay safe if you want to play sports. It's simple as that. And you know what? Like me and Ryan talked about this on 20 Minutes on Ice before the season. And it's kind of been I've, I'm kind of surprised. But he asked me the question, which do you think which country do you think is going to have um more COVID cases in the NHL season at the end of it. And I said, percentage wise, I thought the North just because there's fewer teams. So the number of players per would be more affected. There's been no issues up North. Like they have not rescheduled a single game in the North division. Everything is happening fine in Canada. So when you're looking at it, how is, is the Canadian division doing something differently? Are they just following the protocols better, Wade? What, what do you think is the, is the real cause of so many positive cases down in the States where the Canadian teams are still traveling just as much? I think it's two things. I think it's the population density of the cities that are being played in. Like, obviously, we talked about New York with the Rangers. Like, that's one of the highest population-dense cities in the world. Right. Um, compared to Canada, we just don't have the same – volume of people um but also i think it comes down to the government restrictions that are in place in canada compared to in the u.s like you're looking at teams like tampa and florida those teams don't have restrictions in their states like you can go wherever you would like yeah they actually um, have fans in the stands don't they yeah uh atlanta uh for basketball i know it's kind of cross sports but they have fans in their stands as well and they're supposed to be keeping uh like the player safe too uh, even though it's so close. So uh, for the NHL, though, it, I think it comes down to, like, the players outside of the stadium can go and do a hell of a lot more down south compared to they, what they can up here. So uh, in the long run, I think that's going to make the biggest difference. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's funny, though, that you mentioned the players in the stands, too. Dallas, the team that started the whole COVID issue in the NHL, missing the first couple games. First game back, fans in the stands. Logically, that makes sense, right? Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on the Canada versus U.S.? I, I think the U.S. is going to be be worse for sure. I, I, you know, 
hands down, they have handled it worst, I guess is what you could say. It's simple as that. Um, so in my opinion, they're, they're definitely going to be worse. Yes, per capita, Canada is smaller, but um, I think especially with a lot of these cities that the Canadian teams are in, in lockdown, there's less, less exposure, there's less all that kind of stuff comparatively. So um, I would say that would be the main, the main reason why U.S. would be worse. Fair enough. All right, boys. Well, we'll take in another quick break here. After this, we'll come back with some MLB talk as players are signing, people are moving all over the MLB. So we'll talk about that right here on Garage Doors. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcast from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. We are back, boys. In last segment here, we're going to talk a little MLB. I know it's the offseason. Don't don't hate me, M- NBA fans. But there's been a lot of big news coming out this week, uh, past week and a half, I guess I can say. Uh, and we'll start with what we sort of talked about last week, Kyle, with Irfan, and it's the Arenado trade. It has been finalized. And unfortunately, it's, it's funny because they tweeted out a picture of him and Dexter Fowler when they played on the Rockies being yeah. like reunited five hours like, before. Days after it was confirmed Dexter Fowler was traded to the angels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor guy. Um, but this definitely helps the, the Cardinals moving forward, right? Like they have solidified their infield basically by bringing in Arenado. Oh, hundred percent. It's, it's, it, you know, when you have Goldschmidt on one corner and Arenado on the other corner, it's kind of a good, you know, kind of a good thing going for you. And don't forget so, the young up the middle too. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Like, like that, that team is going to be good, especially with the rest of that division looking poopoo caca. Shaky. Trash. Basically. Uh, you know, Cubs, I like the word shaky. <laughs> Cubs finished first last year. They're blowing up their team right now. Yeah, why? Uh, Hold on. Can we can we get into that? Why are the Cubs blowing up after winning the division? Because they have no money. They weren't even they. The only player that they got rid of that was a real contract was Darvish. Yeah, but Brian has to be signed next year, so they're trying to get rid of him before they have to pay him. So they're trying to maximize value on it. Okay. Really, so if you trade him in the offseason, he's worth nothing. But. Well, because he's not doesn't have a contract. I get that, yeah. but like it just seems ridiculous. Like you have Bryant for another year. You could either go for it, but they're deciding to blow everything up instead. Their team isn't good enough to go any further. That's the biggest problem. They can win the division again. Yeah, what does that do for them? Get you in the playoffs. And what happens in the playoffs? Anything can happen in the playoffs. You you do know the other teams in the NL, right? They ain't going I anywhere do, in the yes. playoffs. Okay. I'm just 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 putting that out there. They're not going anywhere in the playoffs. So it's one of those. It's it's World Series are bust for a lot of these teams, right? Yeah. Especially Chicago. Chicago won their won their World Series, and now they're like, "Heh, we're a middling team right now. Let's just blow it up." So, uh, you know, Pirates are young. They're trash, but they're young. Getting better. Uh, getting better. Brewers. God knows. Hopefully, Yelich bounces back because he was poor awful last year. Um, Cincinnati short season. Cincinnati lost Trevor Bauer, so. You know, where do they stand? That's the real question. Apparently, they're trying to trade their next top pitcher too. Like Castillo, talking about, well, Castillo or Sonny Gray. They're still talking about both of those. So, um, don't know about that one. So, to me, like the Cardinals are the division right now. So, just blow it up. It's just 
I think that that's just, you know, you're talking about NFC East, you know, this is the NFC East of the NL. Yeah. I think I, the sad thing is the Pittsburgh Pirates might finish second in that division being so young. Yeah. They're the only, they're the only team that looks to be going up as the other teams are going down. I, I can see them third. I think Brewers still end up second. I agree. I'm saying they could finish second though, just because they're the only ones actually going up. Oh, hundred percent. And to be honest for the Rockies, And that's the kind of analysis you get here on Garage or Sport. No, like it's just like like just the definition of that trade. Like I get that you know St. Louis has no reassurances because Arenado keeps his opt out for the after this year, and he added an opt out for after, a, next, after year. next year. I get that. I I understand that, but you don't even get a top fifteen prospect like. And wait. you gave them fifty million. Yeah, and you wait, gave them fifty million. Wake up! You like you could have got something else, hundred percent. There's no chance that was the best deal on the table. There is no chance. Do you think the Jays were involved in the Arenado sweepstakes? They probably called him and said, "Hey, what do you want?" And said, oh, "Okay, we'll take Lords Gurriel." I'm like, mm, "No, I'm good, thanks." Um, I would have made that trade. No, Jays won't. Jays wouldn't take on all the money. That's the biggest thing. Well, if they're giving away fifty mil. Well, yeah, but uh, that, that there probably one, one initial discussion they asked for, like, or they probably asked for like Pearson back, to be honest. And, and, and they're like, yeah, no, we're good. So they hung up the phone. There was no other conversation after that, pretty much. So, um, I don't know, like, for as the Rock, as the Rockies, I don't understand it. I, I really don't. They're like, you, you trade for some middling prospects, um, and you give them cash, and you're just like, all right, I'm good. Okay, you just trade the best player arguably top five player in baseball um three for, easily for for nothing right yeah right now maybe not top three but mostly really you don't think he's top three uh not after the season he had last year no or the last i don't care okay i don't necessarily count a short season because people can't find necessarily find the rhythm as fast so the short season you saying people have down years it's it's kind of an asterisk here regardless so well, so wait, are we, are we talking pitchers as well in top 100 or no? No, position players, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, potentially. Wade, you want to jump in here, man? I know we're going yeah, off. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, like, when I saw the trade, I was just like, there's no price tag big enough that would make me want to trade Nolan Arenado. Like, that is, that is literally... literally like a top five player back and then some what? yeah like unless you're trading him to the angels for mike trout like you're not trading a player of his caliber like that is the kind of player that you hope to find in the draft that's the kind of player that you hope you can sign in free agency and you have him on your roster and you're just like you know what we're gonna give you guys extra cash just to take him away from us like <laughs> no <laughs> not a chance in hell that you do that deal um i don't know there must have been something for me like when I see that, though, I'm like, there must have been something going on between him and the front office that nobody knew about that they just couldn't fix some irreparable situation that you just had to move on from him and you just took the first deal you found because that's that's an inexcusable trade. Like, I shook my head. I was just like, I, I just kind of saw it, Arenado traded to the Cardinals, and I was like, nope, okay. Uh, I was in uh, our group chat, too, for class. I remember that. You were just like, oh, nope, nope, this is awful. <laughs> I was like, what a bad deal. Like, just just stop. Like, shake my head. Like, I, I usually don't follow baseball too much, but when I saw Aaron Auto traded, I was like, this is this is ridiculous. Like, and you don't even trade him to like a big market team. Like, 
I know St. Louis is like you guys said, probably going to win the division, but as a city wise, like that is not an overly big market. Like, and you know, you don't know. He might not have wanted to go to a big market. Let's, let's be honest. The guys played Colorado his entire career, right? No, but if you're wanting to make more money, you want to go to the yeah the bigger market teams too, sure. right? Like, so I don't. It, and it you know seems what? Super he would have, he would have play, fit perfectly into the Dodgers system right now because they don't have a true third baseman. Nope, and they are still going to win the World Series. But you just had a good transition. <laughs> Already picking them to win the World Series. None of the AL teams have a chance. Uh, but yes, good transition. Good, good, good call there, Wade. Um, Speaking of the Dodgers, <laughs> they made a big deal, and they signed Trevor Bauer, the top pitching free agent this this season, to compete with the Padres, who have retooled their entire rotation. They get better, and I still think the Dodgers have the better rotation afterwards. So, uh, Wade, what did you make of that Bauer signing? Uh, it's a signing they need to do to keep on top of the league. They are. They were so close, and then they finally broke through this last year, and it's just like, okay, if everyone else is going to be gunning for us, how can we add to our roster? Oh, Trevor Bauer is available? Okay, let's let's go. Let's pony up the money <laughs> let's and let's it. go. Like, if we want to keep winning, and LA is one of the markets where you have to win to stay relevant. Yeah. Like, nobody liked the Lakers when they weren't winning titles. LeBron came, they win a title, Lakers at the top of the town. Nobody yeah. liked the Rams when they moved in. They go to a Super Bowl, Rams were the talk of the town. Like, you see the teams constantly trying to trade, like, even the Matt Stafford trade. You're trying to stay relevant in the L.A. market. And for the Dodgers, they won the World Series, and then nobody started, like, nobody talked about them because Because Lakers won right after. (laughs) Lakers won right after. So, they're like, okay, looks like we have to win again. Let's go and get the best guy available. Yeah. And they didn't need an outfielder, so they went after pitching, and they they got Hmm. their guy. Like they they don't really need an outfielder at the moment in in LA. No, and I think with with Clayton Kershaw, like he's you're gonna start to see his innings go down. Like he's not gonna be pitching, so you need another. Like he's not gonna pitch like seven inning games or six and two third. Like he's not going deep into games anymore. I just don't think that's who he's gonna be late in the year. But uh, Bauer's a guy that you can just kind of rely on for games too at times in the year. For sure, and it's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting because they now have they now have a pretty deep rotation. Like Dustin May is now your sixth starter. Hmm. And like that's gonna help alleviate Kershaw too, because if you wanted to slide, like say you slid Kershaw into the bullpen because you wanted to give him like less full on innings, like why not? I don't think that will happen. But (laughs) no, it wouldn't happen. But even Dustin May, like you said, he's their sixth starter now. Why don't yeah. you just slide him into the bullpen and have him come in for two to three innings, yeah. close out games? Yeah. Dustin May is going to be he's throwing 102 with that fastball. Yeah, that moves about six feet when he throws it. Yeah, yeah, like that'd be. Imagine like going from Trevor Bauer and all of a sudden Dustin May walks on the sixth inning. You're like, oh, great! <laughs> like that's what we have to hit now. Like, come on, that'd be that'd be so like, awful for other teams. Let, let's put this in perspective: the Dodgers have the best rotation, and it's not even close. The, the next Dodgers, closest is the is the Padres. Yes, but the Dodgers' six and seven pitchers, Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May, both finished top five in rookie voting last year. And they're that young and that good. And that's their six and seven starters. Yep. Let alone if if they have anybody else you know, in the minors or if they want to bring up. Like, just, yeah, yeah, we'll throw them in there, you know. It's just 
like, I get it. I get San Diego's there. But to me, you Darvish had this past good year. The year before, he was horrible. Um, you know, Blake Snell, now that he's in the NL, is it going to be different? Because he was kind of sheltered last year up until the playoffs, right? You know, uh, Musgrove as a four starter, yeah, I, I don't mind it. As a but, four, he's fine. Yeah, and but Chris Paddock, I guess, is the biggest question. What's he going to be? You know, if if Bauer went to the Mets, I think we could be talking the exact same thing about the Mets being the best rotation or one of the best rotations. I think it'd be a better. I think it'd be a tighter race comparatively. Yeah, it would. It um, would have made it. It would have made it a competition as opposed to when he goes to the Dodgers. It makes it like a foregone conclusion. Oh, 100%. percent! Like it's like, and even then, like Walker Bueller had a down year last year. And that that's mm-hmm. saying something. He had a three point four ERA. That's not Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller is more like a two point seven five to a three. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those like, okay, if that's your three starter right now, holy crap, Batman! Like, and he, I think, like, I think for uh, Trevor Bauer though, like, if you're looking to win and you look at pitchers, like, I, I when I look at a series in baseball, you got to look at like the whole thing and then kind of look, think of, try to think of how a pitcher feels like. If you're the only top pitcher on your team and you have like a five game series or you're looking at or seven game series like the World Series, you're looking at it like every single one of my games I have to throw perfectly because the other guys on my pitching staff just aren't going to give the same support. Yeah. Whereas you go to the Dodgers, you're like, yeah, I, if, if I, I don't throw one of my starts, it's fine. Yeah. Like you have no pressure on you in those big moments now because it's not a big deal. Like, you don't have to be the only guy that performs because you have five, six, seven other guys that can just like, – you don't have to start multiple games and you'd be fine for the Dodgers. And I think we Obviously saw that's that not last happen, year. But... I think we saw that last year with Kershaw, who finally is like, okay, if I, if I mess up one of these starts, it's not a big deal because Bueller's there, May's there, Gonsolin's mm. there. Like, they were ready yeah. for last year. Now they're even more ready. And let's not forget, they're also adding back David Price, who if he comes back the way he left – that is a dangerous fifth starter. Well, to be honest, it, it fits right into what Bauer was wanting because Bauer was wanting to pitch every fourth day. And, and if slowly bringing back like David Price, like especially with his age right now and where he is, yeah. is he the pitcher he was? No. <clears throat> you know, but in well, saying he could that, be rested too, right? He 100%. That you give you give David Price the extra day rest because you're pitching Bauer the day before him. And all of a sudden now David Price is a better pitcher, right? So it, it kind of – and, you know, and Bauer goes back to his hometown. Apparently, it took less money to go back home or whatever it might be. Well, he took less money than the Mets offer. But yeah. yeah, but that's what I mean. So, like, he took $3 million less a year yeah. to go back home. So, um, that that rotation is disgusting, let alone that, that lineup right now. You add Justin Turner back in that lineup, and it's going to be a very interesting NL. Like, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how well those playoff series are going to go. You got San Diego, you got the Dodgers, you got the Mets. It's it's like you know, honestly, you pretty much like don't forget the Braves. F- don't forget the Braves. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Um yeah. Uh yeah. So like it's one of those <laughs> No, like like I, I What's don't wrong think, with the Braves? I don't think the Braves are in contention comparatively. Like they're there. Are they good? Yes. Could It'll I be a playoff be- team? Is what I'm saying. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. Yeah, like it's but like, are they in contention? No. Well, I think after this, I don't think anyone's really in contention with the Dodgers. Yeah, 
And it's it's honestly, the Dodgers, Padres, Mets, Braves, everyone else. In the NL? In the NL. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, in the, sorry, in the NL. Sorry, in the NL. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like one of those, I think the Braves, sure, like they, they are. I wouldn't say their rotation is up there. No. Um, I think that's the biggest thing in, in their lineup that they need to fix. So, but it's, I don't know where I was going with my point, to be honest, but. Um, <laughs> round and round he goes, folks. <laughs> Dodgers are going to win straight up. Yep. The Yankees don't like <laughs> to hear that, but yeah, probably. That's too bad. <laughs> the Yankees have to stay healthy before they can do anything right now. Yep. yep. And their guys have to show up in the postseason oh, when they get there. Shots fired. Oh, now they, they need a pitcher, too, so we'll see how they do that. <laughs> uh, it'll be an interesting MLB season. We're going to have more MLB talk coming up in the next few weeks as they, because uh, we're like two weeks away from spring training starting. Opening up, yeah. Which, like, it kind of baffles me because, like, I didn't think we were that close, but I guess we are because it's now February. Go mm-hmm. figure. Turn of the calendar means that MLB is coming. All right, boys, let's wrap this up. It's time for final thoughts of the week. Wade, you are our guest, my friend, so you get to start with your final thought of the week. Final thought of the week. If the Chiefs win, I need to see video evidence of the cheeseburger that Andy Reid gobbles down. Like, that thing <laughs> – if you the thought double? the double after one Super Bowl, he's going to go with like three or four patties on that thing. That's going to be it. Code Blue Burger from Wendy's. That's what he might be ordering. Like, holy hell. <laughs> that is my final thought. I want, to see the, I want to see the cheeseburger if they win. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm sure Kyle would be interested in that as well. Oh, the cheeseburger? Yeah. Why would I? I'd have the cheeseburger that? too. Why, I'm not going to. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Why would I be interested in that? And seeing it, or it seems interesting. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> Relax, <laughs> Relax, bro. <laughs> All right, no, Kyle, 100% what's your final thought, my friend. Um, that's a good question. Actually, I don't really have one. He wasn't ready. <laughs> I, I just, I really don't know what final thought. Uh, I guess uh, I, I hope the NHL figures out what's doing with the whole COVID thing because I don't really want the season to be postponed or or on hold or anything like that or lose games. Um, you know, the, 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 as I said before, the more sports in our lives, the better it is and the better our lives are because obviously being stuck at home in a, you know, lockdown essentially is, is rough as is, let alone not having the sports to watch to get your mind off things. So, um, I really hope they figure it out and, and, and do it well. Um, and is if they have to add more restrictions, the players need to suck it up and just accept it. So, yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a, that's a valid point. My final thought is rugby-related. Yes, I know I started a rugby show this week, but honestly, the Six Nations tournament is on, and Kyle can attest to this after spending a year in Ireland. The Six Nations tournament is damn fun, and this year is going to be a very interesting tournament. You got England coming in as the odds-on favorite, but France comes in with a brand-new squad, basically, from their Autumn Cup tournament that they had just a month ago, ironically. And they're now – they're going to be a very big force. Ireland will be involved in the top of the race. Don't be surprised if Scotland and Wales push these teams at the top as well. And, unfortunately, Italy is there, and they're probably going to lose most of their games. But you never know. Being the underdog could play play well into their game plan. So it will be an interesting six rounds or five rounds of games. And 
I just love seeing, as Kyle just said, I love seeing sports and seeing a, uh, one like this is always fun to watch. That'll do it for us here this weekend. Wade, thank you for joining us, man. We really appreciate you coming on. Great insight in the NFL stuff that we probably would not have had. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's time to go and get the pulled pork ready for tomorrow. There it is. He's, he's getting ready already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, Kyle, thank you for being here every week. We will be back next week to, I guess, wrap up the Super Bowl and break down what actually happens as well as follow more sports stories. Make sure you follow us on all our social medias. On Twitter, it's at Garage Door Sport. On Instagram, it's at Garage Door Sports. If you are looking for us individually, Wade, you want to give them your handle, my friend? Uh, yeah, my Twitter is WadeZank27, and my Instagram is WZanketa27 as well. Or- there you go. Perfect. And Kyle is at Kyle Vardy on both, and you can find me at Nick McVicker on both. We try to keep you updated on everything throughout the week, although Kyle doesn't like actually tweeting. So it's much harder for him to keep up. (laughs) What? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Anyways, for everyone here, we thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.